The Starlight Lounge presents An Evening with the Progressive Box. The moon, yeah. That's Hugo, tickling the ivories. He just saved by bundling home and auto with Progressive. Gonna finally buy a ring for that gal of yours, Hugo? Send her my condolences. Hi-oh! This next one's for you, too. There's a burglar in my heart. Thank you. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Discounts not available in all states or situations. Welcome to the Monkeys Fighting Robots podcast with Matthew Sardo. Take your sticky paws off me, you damn dirty ass. <laughs> Holy sh! They're actually monkeys fighting robots! You can follow us on Twitter at monkeys underscore robots and on Instagram at monkeys fighting robots. Make sure to download and review our podcast from iTunes and Stitcher. And now, here's your host, Matt. Welcome to the 75th episode of Monkeys Fighting Robots. Today is going to be a groovy show. EJ and I are going to talk about the nice guys, Game of Thrones, and The Flash. I'm your host, Matthew Sardo. I'm also the co-founder of MonkeysFightingRobots.com. Joining me in the banter is my co-host, movie critic, EJ Marino. If you have a question for the show, you can contact us three ways. Send us a tweet, comment on the podcast itself. Those are going up and crazy. And with SoundCloud, you can actually tag the right spot where you want to give us a comment. So go to SoundCloud, give us a comment, and we can see exactly what you're talking about. Or send me an email at matt at popaxiom.com. EJ, how are you doing, my friend? Matt, I'm doing amazing. I'm still recovering from what I thought was an epic Flash episode. And I just saw the uh, press screening for Neighbors 2, Sorority Rising, not Sorority Row, which I thought that's what it was called. Oh, Seth Rogen is so horrible. I, like, he's a big, giant bear, and he's adorable, so I, I sit through a lot of his movies, and I, this was just another Seth Rogen movie, but I thought it tried to be way too, like, politically, like, aware and socially conscious, and I'm like, you guys are making a dick and fart joke movie. Don't try to preach to me about feminism and, like, gay rights. Calm down, guys. Calm down. But it was okay. It was just a stoner movie. Seth Rogen was trying to be the gay Moses? Yeah, because he's going on this whole thing like, I'm sorry, I said like the word fag and super bad. I'll never do it again. And he's trying to like redeem himself. So he like made Dave Franco's character gay in the movie and handled it very maturely and very like honestly. And it was kind of surprising in these movies that usually kind of are a little bit homophobic and kind of not the most like um most aware and it was smart but then it just was still ball jokes and poop jokes which is fine by me yeah i, I don't understand i mean i don't I'm, I'm not even gonna get into it what did you think of the movie overall like what, what was your rating just just uh it's a it's a like six out of ten or five out of ten it's not great but it, it's a stupid comedy movie you you can't like fault it for being what it's trying to be so yeah it's like a five out of ten Enough about Neighbors 2. Let's talk about The Flash. We are one episode away from the season finale. or We just have to wait till Tuesday to actually see it. And so there was kind of a cliffhanger at the end. Coming from the Kevin Smith episode into this one, I felt like there was a drop-off, and I was really disappointed with the tone of the show because it felt very disjointed from the Kevin Smith episode to this religious kind of experience that Barry was having. I, I, I really don't know what was going on. 
yeah, Barry was preaching the good wo- the good word of the Lord and Savior Speed Force. It was pretty funny. He was pretty hyped the whole episode. It was uh, it's interesting to see. And I sadly I predicted Henry's death, and I'm so sorry for killing him off, people, because that was very sad to see. I wasn't liking his character at all. The way he was, he was being very possessive. I feel like everybody want is very possessive of Barry, and that just bothers me. Yeah, the most possessive is Iris. We see it each and every episode that she tries to say she's better than everyone else when it comes to Barry. And it kind of works, though. She was the one person that Barry listened to when she was telling him, you're not invincible. And it sadly didn't work, though. Um, and it's weird. But yeah, his dad is strangely possessive. And it's it was weird that he had this stupid TV show problem where you say you're going to stay and it's new. And guess what? You leave and he left i'm starting but, really not to like iris iris has got to go I, I i don't like it where they're going with her I, it's just there's something with the character where it's like oh i'm dating everybody else under the sun and now i i, I really like da- barry and i'm gonna start telling him what to do because actually he is invincible i mean that's what he is and he and this is what really bothered me about the episode like stop standing there and actually go save your dad this is where i kind of have a Billy Madison moment where I'm like, listen, you go out there and you go find your fucking dog. Yeah, but he he's invincible. No one else is. And that's what they're trying to prove on the show, that he, he can try to be as good as he wants, but he he's going to lose people. And that's like the superhero problem. And that's why most of them stay by themselves. Barry's just going to have to learn that the team's going to have casualties. And he is invincible. You're right. No one else is. Yeah, but he should have tried to save his dad. He just like showed up. He's like, "Oh no, don't don't kill my dad!" And ah, the episode just it just bothered me. And then it just like immediately cuts. Like there was no like, it was a, it was a rough cut. And I don't know if this is blamed on how TV commercials kicked in or timing because sometimes things are off and everything's scheduled by computer. So if Flash runs over a little bit, they cut off the end. So maybe somebody else saw a little bit more than I did. But I, it just cut off really badly for me, and I hated it. No, I see in the opposite. It cut off for me, and I thought it was a dramatic hard cut. I thought that was an actual choice from the filmmaker themselves is to just, as soon as it happens, we see Barry's face cut to black. It was harsh. It was very, very... uh, I'm glad you noticed it because I thought that was the the, the intent of it. Zoom. Where where, where is this thing going to go? I don't don't like him. Like, once they announced who he was, his character is, like, gone downhill. I'm like, how do you go from... White dude, generic white dude to Candyman. Like, it just doesn't, it doesn't work for me. Um, I think I felt that w- what you feel now for a little bit, I'm starting to like him a little bit more as I'm starting to see that he is trying to work against Barry more. I felt like he was an, like an overarching villain, but there was no reason he had beef with Barry. And now I'm starting to see some of that problems I had with each other. And I, I'm starting to turn around on him, but he... It was a weird. It's the the whole like putting on the mask and he's like the whole different voice. It, it's a little distracting. I love Tony Todd's vocals for Zoom, but it just doesn't mix when it goes back to him just being um, Hunter Zolomon. I don't get it at all. I like again. There's no motivation for him. He just want. I mean, I guess he's power hungry. But I've been listening on the message boards like on Facebook and all these stuff, and they're like. Zoom is a real villain compared to Marvel's villains. And I'm like, yeah, he's kind of weak, my friends. Um, I think he he's weak intentions, but him as a character, like Zoom is infinitely times better than Barry. Like as a 
well, before, until now, I think Barry is going to be a little bit faster. Um, but he is a far stronger speedster. He just has no real oomph behind him. And he's a power-hungry person, and I think his spending the time with the group made him more jealous that he's a crazy human being and he's just kind of a psychopath. So I think now we're starting to see some kind of motivation behind it. But I'm still not sold on his reasonings. I just like the character. This is where things kind of, I, I don't know, I feel like I'm nitpicking a little bit, but I feel like Barry and Jay Garrick, they started off at the same time as speedsters. I, I They'd never established timelines of when the explosions are, but I mean, they're parallel universes, so maybe they're at the same time. And Barry has been trained by scientists that have all been wanting him to be faster and, and learning things. And then you got Jay Garrick, he's on his own. And he's somehow infinitely better than Barry speed wise. I, I don't get that. And I know he's absorbed speed forces from other people, but it's kind of weak. And then my other nitpick right here is when he had his mask off and they were talking in Barry's lab, he still had the claw gloves and they just look ridiculous on him. Uh, I noticed that I, I kind of chuckled at it. I was just like, it, it's so less intimidating when you're not in the full like zoom gig but it yeah i thought that was really like off-putting but i just it was kind of funny to see him point with this like long extended nail i'm like oh it looks really fierce on you my friend and like who made his suit like all these different things that are going on in my head like okay barry's got this team because it's tv and you can't do anything on your own apparently and you need on the cw you need a you know a high school team of friends to help you out because that's the cw and it really is annoying sometimes but you have Jay Garrett got Zoom and like he's got this really cool costume and he's got these claws. And I'm like, who made his thing? Like, where is his? He just came out of nowhere. I like, I don't know. It's, there's a lot of flaws in it right now. And I feel like he, they've raised the bar so high on a villain. Not that he's a good villain, but just on his powers and abilities. I don't know how they're going to set up season three. Like, I feel like there should have been mystery of what's going on. But again, I'm going to beat this down. The CW keeps rushing the seasons and tries to give you as much information as possible. And now it's, you're two seasons in. You're like, okay, how do I top that? Yeah, but what if Zoom is the villain still next season? We don't, you know, I still think there's a lot that could be done. I don't think his arc is over by a long shot. I think, unless I could be completely wrong, I don't think, I think he's making it out of the finale alive and still going to be an issue. But we'll see. I'm still kind of, like digging the season because I think they've they've stayed at the level they were last season. They haven't gone up to another level, which is kind of a problem. But their level was so high last year that I'm still kind of a I'm running a good wave of how much I enjoy it. They've already established that he's not going to die because in the previews they're like, "All you want to do, Barry, is kill him because he killed your dad." So we already know that the message of the finale is going to be like. Barry wants to kill him, but then at the last second, he's going to realize that he's a better person and he's going to not kill Zoom and imprison him or you know, like outwit him some stupid way. I'm kind of I'm I'm kind of angry going into this. Um, yeah, I can tell, and just breathe, my friend. I, I don't, uh, you know, it's just a fun flash TV show. Um, but no, I I know for uh, I do think it's it's getting a little wonky storytelling wise, but I, I just I don't I don't have any many complaints about it because I think it's still better than what most superhero to me what most superhero shows are doing and or superhero movies so i'm still i'm still enjoying it but i can definitely see where people are angry at 
I, I want to see what this finale is before I uh, kind of look back on the whole season. I, I want to see where it ends to then take my full reaction. The best part of The Flash for me is I like Barry, I like Caitlin Snow, and I like Cisco, and I actually like Harrison Wells. Even I was surprised that they brought him back for a second season. Joe West, he's he's decent as a character, but I, I like the trio of Barry, Caitlin, and Cisco. I like those three when they're together because I think Cisco brings an awesome comedic element to it. I think Caitlin's character is the straight person, and then you have Barry, who's optimistic. And it's just a nice triangle of personalities, and that, for me, is why I love the show. And everything else is kind of ancillary kind of thing. Iris is ancillary. She needs to get written off the show. Yeah, I, I do see a lot of this like hate for Iris, and I kind of don't get it because I don't, I don't know if it's as deserved as it should be. But yeah, uh, she just she's been kind of not a good addition to it as much as I wanted. But I do love Joe West. I love Harrison. Um, but I do think the shining star in that is the trio. You are you're totally right about that. Well, Iris just isn't a nice person. She's not a nice person, but I I still kind of remember she had a really horrible season one. And then kind of a eh, season two. So I, I was hoping this was going to be her moment. But as soon as she starts showing this a glimmer of like, oh, she's not as mean anymore. This is going to happen with Barry. And there's just going to be some drama between them two. We don't need at all. This is how people look at the show and they kind of bond with the show. Is I don't know how many nerds watch the show, but I feel like there's nerds watching the show. And nerds are sensitive and they have feelings and their dating lives probably aren't the best ever. Barry is that nerd character that's kind of awkward and makes things not work out. But then to see him not treated well by Iris and then be Iris to be like, oh, I'm free now. I have no problem dating you. It just it was awkward. So I can see where nerds, especially this nerd right here, is like, listen, this, this girl's fake. She's not good for Barry. Just the way the character is. I know that Iris and Barry are going to be together and they're supposed to be married. But the way they wrote the character... She's not nice to Barry, and therefore I'm looking out for Barry's best interest, and they should not be together. No, I, I can definitely see where like you have that you've you've dated a girl like Iris, so you do have that kind of a uh, that 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 anger towards it. But I I don't think she's going to be as bad for Barry because I think she's always going to ground Barry when he needs to be grounded. Like he's always going to have that person that's just she can speak real to him. I think. Sometimes that's the only one he listens to because he has to deal with my two dads. Well, now my one dad. Um, and that's just going to, it's going to be interesting. But that, I don't think that's the heart of the heart of the flash. He doesn't need to be grounded. He needs to run faster. Yeah. Cause you just run away from problems. Barry, I think as a character that I've liked of the flash is the more times he runs away from things, the more it ends up being an issue. That's what the whole like flashpoint storyline is is he ran one time and messed up so much stuff and i think sometimes he needs to be uh halted and i that's what i like about the the iris character do you think we'll get a second death in the finale oh uh, yeah that was actually something I've, i was really curious of is this the only time only person we're going to see dying and i don't i think we'll get one more i don't think as um crazy as something like it was being barry's dad but i do think we're going to get something else um and I really hope we find out who's behind that iron mask. 
I totally forgot about that. They didn't even acknowledge that last episode at all. And that needs to get resolved. That is one plot point that needs to get resolved by the end of the season. See, and I think it's going to be resolved by the very end of the season. And that's what's going to lead into some of the storyline for season three. At least I hope because they've built that up and with no explanation. And I think it's going to probably directly impact season three a lot. Oh, man, that's you just got me on a whole new thought process going in a different direction on where this is going to go. How is it going to lead into season three? I can't wait for the season finale. As angry as I am, I can't wait for the season finale because The Flash is the best superhero show on public television. I'm not saying it's the best show superhero show on television because I don't. Do we consider Netflix television? Yeah, it's it's, in, it's like television adjacent, but yeah, because I I still think it's one of the best TV shows out there. It's it, it it's it's just as good as something like Daredevil. Yeah, and I, you care about all the characters. Next week, craziness season finale. We'll be watching it. Tweet us your questions. Tweet us your responses, and we'll talk about it next week. Pardon me, Matt, but the monkeys are out of bananas. What do you mean we have no more bananas? I would suggest you go to a break. Megacon is next week, and we have a contest announcement for the convention. We are going to do a cosplay catwalk at Megacon each day. We'll have great prizes for the winner of the cosplay catwalk. Our booth is awesome. It's going to be at booth number 3203. And we are right in the cosplay section, right by the autograph area. And we have room to where we're going to do a cosplay catwalk each day of the convention. And we're going to have great prize packs for the winners. We're going to have some shenanigans. We will announce the catwalk times on Friday and then keep you up to date on social media through the rest of the week. Also at Megacon, we have an exclusive print and Team Robot and Team Monkey Koozies. Stop by our booth, 3203, and check out all the fun. And if you want to go to Megacon and look like EJ, you need to get some Monkeys Fighting Robot swag. We've partnered up with Redbubble, and they make some amazing t-shirts. Their clothing is super amazing quality, but they also have more than just t-shirts. We have stickers, throw pillows, phone cases, bags, and kids' clothes. Go to monkeysfindingrobots.com, scroll to the bottom of the page. You'll see the Get Some Swag link. Click on it and go get yourself a shirt. If you order it today, it will be there before Megacon. Welcome back to the Monkeys Fighting Robots podcast. Game of Thrones, Season 6, Episode 4, Book of Stranger. This has to be one of the better episodes of the season, purely because of the last three minutes and what went down with the Mother of Dragons, because this was the mother of all Mother of Dragon episodes. I was just blown away at the end of it. Super excited to go into the next episode. Can't wait till this Sunday. How were you feeling emotionally about this episode? I was very, very happy to see Daenerys get a epic, awesome comeback after her past couple episodes. I mean, kind of, eh, she's been kind of just going along with what's been happening. And this one, she finally made a bold statement. And that bold statement was nudity and setting things on fire and being just awesome. And the Khaleesi that we all know and love. I still can't believe how short she is when she is 
yelling at the Darth Raki and making that building up that moment. I'm like, you're such a tiny little person. I, I feel like I, at some point in time, I feel like Peter Dinklage is actually taller than her in scale when it comes to her speeches or their filming or however they do it. Well, it's just so funny. And that's why I think I think the characters in the show feel the same way because no one ever takes her seriously. And it takes setting a bunch of douchebags on fire for people to actually believe you're the shit. And that's what she has to do. And yeah, she's so tiny compared to so many of the other people. And I think it's kind of cute. I think it, I think it adds to her adorable factor. I thought they were going to go with more of a feminist angle on that scene where the other women that have been condemned to this little area kind of rise up in revolt and they kill all the kings. And then you have the women leading the group, sort of. But instead, they kind of went singular with just her taking them all on. I think the uh, the women are going to play a big part in this kind of later on. And I think that's going to help her little revolution here. But yeah, she did just definitely go for, I'm just not going to worry about the women. I'm going to do the whole group. I want to run something. And she's going to have another gang. And she does really well when she has a uh, a large posse behind her. One other aspect of this show that I find shocking and annoying at the same time is when did Jon Snow steal your man bun? Yeah, Jon Snow decided to come back from the dead and have this nice little man bun, and it's kind of adorable, and I guess he can steal my hairstyle. He wears it way better because he's a gorgeous human being. But yeah, it's it's weird. It's kind of interesting to see this little, uh, this badass knight and this tiny samurai man bun. It's almost out of place with the Game of Thrones look. Because he kind of, I feel like he's kind of, he died and then he came back like metrosexual. <laughs> well, yeah, after uh, the red woman gave him that beautiful, like a Veda hair spa treatment when she cut his hair and got him all ready when she tried to bring him back. He, he's looking good. He's feeling refreshed. He has his, uh, his adopted-ish sister back, whatever Sansa is to him. It's awesome. He, he's, he's feeling good right now. And hopefully he can keep this like, happy Jon Snow up, unlike, you know, we get a happy Barry and Flash, and then that gets taken away. Let's let's see if we can keep this happiness. I did like the reunion of Sansa and Jon Snow, and then I watched the after, the little after featurette that they have on the different scenes. This was the first time that Sophie Turner and Kit Harington have been on screen together. No way. It's it's kind of believable because the show's so large and so, you know, has so many moving parts, but... That's kind of crazy to think they'd never been on screen together. It was a really good emotional scene. I think I like Sophie Turner a little bit more. She was super whiny for the longest time. But now I think she's put on a few pounds, which is hilarious. I don't know if it's for the role. This is me being a horrible person right now because she is a normal person. But compared to what she was before to now, she's kind of looks a little bigger. Or Because we've seen him grow up. It's weird watching the cast take a long period of time off and then come back because they're all kids and they change rapidly. Yeah, definitely. That's how we felt with not seeing Bran for almost a whole season. He comes back and he's this like 16 year old boy. It's really surprising. And she's, she's definitely gotten kind of a, a, a thicker build to her, but maybe she's just eating a lot of those uh, wildling foods at the night watch place, you know, those turkey legs or rat, Whatever, whatever they, were, they eating. were eating, I was oh. just like with her. I was like, "Yeah, I'm gonna pass on this. I'll just I'll, whatever that neck goose neck or whatever that was was pretty awkward." 
Yeah, that was gross. But hey, if you're hungry in this world, I guess you got to eat. I'm really worried that they brought Jon Snow back from the dead and they reunited him with Sansa and they're having this family moment. And then Ramsey Bolton's going to come in and kill everybody. Yeah, Ramsey's definitely a problem to be kind of kept around and he's just looming in the background being this epic douchebag. But he he I just I'm hoping I'm hoping that we can we can keep some stark love for a while and keep this stark reunion and get actually everyone together. Can we get at least all of them back together in one spot before we do a Ramsey killing? That's all I want. Or we can get the stark like rebellion and all of them come back pissed and angry and all get after Ramsey. I'm hoping that this season is more of an uplifting season, which I highly doubt because I'm watching Game of Thrones. I feel like I should just smack myself for even thinking about like, hey, can we have a happy ending? Maybe. Well, I still want them to be brutal and badass, but I would like it to be, yeah, like you said, on a happier tone. Like, can, you know, like, like I said, if we're going to do this epic episode where we're killing people off, can it be the Starks killing off bad people instead of us losing good people? That's all I want from the show is keep the same brutality and graphic content, but just make it happier. <laughs> <laughs> what is Marjorie planning? Uh, hopefully to break out her brother from gay conversion therapy because it's she needs to get out of there. She she's, Something's brewing with her, and I think she, I, I, she really needs Cersei's help, and I really hope something like that happens because that would definitely help her come back and we get an epic redemption of her character as well. No, this could be actually the season where all the women rise up and start just being badass and taking out all the douchebags. Yeah, the show's always had very strong women, and I've always appreciated that. But they've with it, last season was a really rough season for a lot of the strong women, especially you know what we saw with Cersei going through everything she went through. And she's still kind of in this, like, she's the calm before the storm. And I think she's going to come back and be really pissed once her douchebag son dies. I hate that king so much. I know it's bad to hate a kid that much, but don't like him at all. Um, yeah, so it's definitely the women's season, I think. I do want to see more more of Marjorie's grandma. I think she's one of the better characters on the show. She's my favorite person ever. She's so shady and so mean and so funny. Yeah, I, I need more of her. Oh, man. This is going to be... I don't know. You got Littlefinger. He showed up finally. He's bringing an army north. There's going to be a big battle with Jon Snow, Littlefinger being on his side, and then Ramsay and the wildlings and I always got to go with the wildlings in a fight because they have a, they have a giant. I love that guy when he shows up. Yeah. The, the wildlings giant is a great addition to their team and they're always a really good bet. And I like that they're mixing with the North. And then we have on the opposite side, we have like Tyrion trying to free the slaves over there. And then we have Daenerys building up the new Dothraki army. I, there's a, there's a lot going on. And yeah, I think this is, this is the season where everyone's going to get their army and we're going to head to battle very quickly i agree with you because previous seasons i feel like they've been just disbanding the armies but now i feel like now okay we got we got a big army over here we got a big army over here we're gonna move them around and that was what was going on in the first couple seasons of everybody kind of battling for the iron throne and i think we're getting back to the core roots of game of thrones yeah this is definitely about the iron throne again and i feel it and i love that i uh, that's what the whole show should have been about and I, I you can't focus on it the whole time so 
I'm taking a little break from it was okay, but they're back, and this is this is the Game of Thrones everyone loves. And as I'm not, I feel like this the shows it, we're taking a while to get to where I want it to go. It's still an awesome ride. I love this season so far. Episode four is in the books. Episode nine is usually when you have chaos, just rain. Do you think it'll come sooner or later? I mean, t- next week is the mid-season point. Do you think there'll be something epic this week? Yeah, I think, well, actually the show's been doing something epic almost every week. Even if it's just the final three minutes of the episode, something epics keep happening and we're building to something. And I think it's going to be the episode nine that we always know, you know, with the Red Wedding and like the big, uh, the big boat fight that we had, I think, in season one. There's just something epic every time. And I really, really think we're going to get the, uh, the stark badassery in episode nine. I think that's when everyone's going to come together. And even if Arya has to come out of nowhere and just slice Ramsay's throat like we know she will, we, we need something like that to happen. Next week, Arya, I'm reading all the next week stuff right now. Next week, Arya is given a chance to prove herself. What does that mean? Oh, she she's going to prove that she's this epic badass girl. And I can't, I can't wait to see her finally embrace this new assassin life that she's going to be taking over. I'm we got to figure out, I mean, I, it depends on how the show goes, but I feel like there's a chance this show could trump one of our topics for next week for our Megacon edition of the show. Oh, yeah, I definitely think if they deliver the episode that they've been kind of like cooking up and after the whole Daenerys thing and we got a little bit more Starks going on, I, yeah, I think I think next week could definitely become one of the major topics to talk about. If you have any comments or questions about Game of Thrones, there are so many ways for you to interact with monkeys fighting robots. You could contact EJ at his Twitter handle. At E-J-K-H-R-Y-S-T, EJ Christ. Just find me on Twitter. Argue with me about Game of Thrones. Let's talk about it. I can't wait. You can just always plug the Monkeys Fighting Robots Twitter handle at monkeys underscore robots. Game of Thrones this season is on a record tear right now. I think they're four for four in episodes. Let us know what you're feeling. I'm excited. EJ's excited. The only problem with all this excitement is somebody's going to die and it's going to be miserable. But I hope they keep that off until next week. So I want to be happy for Megacon. The Nice Guys comes out this week. This is Shane Black's third time in the director's chair. This guy, for me, can do no wrong because he wrote Monster Squad and Wolfman's Got Nards. That's all I need. And this film was great. I enjoyed it. It was the 70s Fletch, Chevy Chase comedy action chaos that I wanted. And it just went through and gave me every emotion, every sight, every view, every dialogue piece I wanted. The only problem is EJ hated it. I think it's a little harsh to say I hated it. I actually liked it. I thought it was an okay movie, but it was just okay. I don't think it's that memorable. I feel like I've seen this a couple times again. I think I've seen this a couple times and I'm just not I'm not I'm not loving it that I've that I've seen something like this. I think he did it with Kiss Kiss Bang Bang, but better. I think he made a better noir film. I think he made a better team um with the two lead characters in Kiss Kiss Bang Bang. But I do um, love things in this movie. I love how 70s it was. It was dipped in 70s nostalgia. If we had 
porn being art films. I put quotes over art because they were just porn still. We had Earth, Wind, and Fire making a maybe cameo, whatever that was. Yeah, there was things I liked, but I just, I just wanted something. I, I wanted something different from it. And I think that's probably the my biggest critique is I was a little disappointed. So it's like a more of a personal critique. But Ryan Gosling is becoming a comedic genius all of a sudden. Yeah, he's he's always been like showing little glimpses of being funny, but he's never gone the full funny. He was slapstick worthy, ridiculous in this. And he, he didn't get to like break character. He, he just stayed in it. And I loved it. I loved seeing him do something like this, even if I wanted a little less comedy in the movie and wanted a little bit more action, like intense mystery. The, the comedy with that was there was pretty perfect. Ryan Gosling was vintage 1970s Chevy Chase slapstick lead actor, flirtatious, machismo, goofball. And I just ate it up. I, I thought it was a great performance by him. I really like Chubby Russell Crowe with his brass knuckles wandering around beating people up. I really enjoyed that character immensely and I've kind of been off the Russell Crowe bandwagon because I feel like he just overpowers sometimes a scene but Ryan Gosling battled him out and it was a good blend for a buddy cop budding type of universe that maybe they're building I I doubt there'll be a sequel but Ryan Gosling's daughter in this kind of stole the show did steal the show she was the straight guy foil to the shenanigans of Ryan Gosling and Russell Crowe. Yeah, because she was funny and very smart in her own self, but she she messed up their dynamic in the best way. She would always be there to be either one doing the job that needs to be done because Ryan Gosling's a moron and Kurt, uh, Russell Crowe was too into being like an insane badass, which, yeah, I agree with you. I like chubby uh, Russell Crowe for this. I think he fit that 70s, like, Kojak Shaft vibe. He was just so badass. But yeah, uh, Ryan Gosling's uh, daughter in the film was probably my favorite part. She was the exact like little dynamic I needed to like me and if I, to, for me to like it. And if I saw her a little bit more in it, I think I would have just ignored any of my hate and just fell in love with that character even more. Her name is Angori Rice. I don't know what she's been in before. I mean, she's definitely a younger actress. She's done uh, Walking with Dinosaurs and These Final Hours. Nothing really big out there, but she she handled herself so well with those two actors and and played off of them really well. I again, I this film right off of the beginning of the film, that opening car scene with the kid and then Misty Mountain's body laying out there, like I it sucked me in like right away. That's vintage seventies early murder to set up the mystery and just have it all laid out. Oh, I, I, I just love the cinematography on that one. Yeah. I wanted a little bit more from the Misty mountains character. Um, she kept getting confused with another character in the movie, Amelia. And I felt like there was going to be something there. Uh, there's like a, there's a movie called like, I know you kill, I know who killed me with Lindsay Lohan where they were like playing twins, but they were not really twins. I kind of wanted something campy and, ridiculous like that in this movie where they could have been a little bit more connected. And I think that would have added more mystery for it to me. Um, but yeah, I, I, there, there was so much good to praise about it, but I just don't feel like it's going to be that memorable. Uh, but it was, it was a fun movie and I, I will always respect like things like you said, the cinematography was great. The art direction was phenomenal. It was the seventies 
from the amount of chest hair Russell uh, uh, Russell Crowe was showing to the the trashy porn mustaches. Yeah, it, it was pure seventies, which is still my favorite part of it. You know, it was vintage vintage nineteen seventies Hollywood. Everything that you've thought of or envisioned. It had a boogie nights feel to it when they were in that time frame. I, there was the only thing. Kim Basinger, she's looking horrid lately. Yeah, she was looking a little rough around the edges uh, in the film. And uh, she was one I think we talked about in another podcast where we were talking about like 80s hot. She was gorgeous in her prime in the 80s. And then she kind of just never stayed hot after that era. But she she did a decent performance just to take her look away. She was she was a good bitch. She played exactly the role she needed to. I like that it was a kind of a twist that she was... She was not as nice as it seemed. It was it was interesting for her character, but yeah, I didn't really want to look at her, uh, look at her that much in it. The thing I love about Shane Black and Kiss Kiss Bang Bang being the film that it is is there's little connections. Uh, the gentleman who played Chet in this, you know, the when the house burned down, the guy was showing them where the house was and what burned down. That yeah. is Jack Kilmer, Val Kilmer's son. Oh, really? See, that's pretty cool. That like. He's trying to build this like universe with actors and everything like that. But I think if he didn't dip away into Iron Man 3, which I did not like at all, I would have probably appreciated like this this universe he could have built. He could have made another movie to tie in with this as well. Yeah, I feel like he, he's trying to build a universe, and I'm excited to see if he could do more stuff after this because this was a good showing. I You mentioned it. I really wanted this to have more of a Boogie Nights feel, and I mean not even in the 70s, like the uh, – the film where it's a little bit more of an intense drama because I think Shane Black has it and I think the two actors he had could have been great but yeah it was uh it was good for what it was but it wasn't what I was expecting I'm glad that they they weren't stuck behind like a barricade during a shootout and be like I'll go on three and have that typical lethal weapon story that they had in Iron Man 3 and because Iron Man 3 is basically a lethal weapon movie with Robert Downey Jr and Don Cheadle at the end. They're on the same exact set as Lethal Weapon 2, I believe, where they're on the tanker and they're behind the same shooting angles. It Stuff like that, I was like, when I watched Iron Man 3, I was like, wait a second. I am enjoying this because I really like the banter that's coming with this, but I've definitely seen this movie before. Yeah, um, that's kind of one of the things I, I didn't like about it because it, it was just Shane Black redoing what he did for the... Uh, the Lethal Weapon movie since he wrote them, and it, w- it was okay, and it just, this this kind of almost felt like that, like, it wanted to be buddy cop movie, but then it was also kind of, like, weird, obscure 70s, like, exploitation film, and it, 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 ne- it didn't go on either side, so it kind of was just awkwardly in the middle for me, and I think us talking about it is helping me realize what I liked and did not like about it even more, and yeah, it just... It, it wasn't enough exploitation for me, and I, I wanted it to be in that genre. Okay, explain exploitation to me. Like, exploitation films, or it's basically like that, like Jackie Brown. Uh, you know, yeah, it's like okay that that kind of era of like funky Shaft. Uh, even like even the remake of Shaft with uh, Samuel Jackson in like the early two thousands still has that feel. Yeah, I like that uh, Grindhouse kind of thing where Tarantino did it a lot in his earlier films. And it was something I was kind of looking for in here is that, like, just pure 70s exploitation, kind of campy, a little bit over the top. Um, and it, it almost went there because there was that time where, like, Ryan Gosling, like, accidentally slid his wrist by, like, punching through a door. And it was so graphic and so bloody. And I'm like, 
oh, 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 this is getting a little even more obscure in the amount of nudity. It, it Almost there, it just didn't go the full Monty of what I like about like 70s, like trash films. I know the film kind of fades off in the third act and there's a lot of action going on there. And I like the last action scene where as the, as the film strip is flying all over the place and, and what's going on in the film. And if it just ended right after that action scene, I think it would have been a lot better film than the explanation that happened the next 10 minutes. Yeah. I, that, I think that last action sequence was so beautifully choreographed uh, the way everything, like you said, flowed. It was basically based around this film reel and it would slide during a, to a different set piece and kind of, it, it was beautifully done. And then we get to another scene where it is just explanation after. And I'm like, uh, and then they kind of do that vague ending where it's like, we're kind of going to set up a business. Are we going to do a sequel? You know, it, it was really weird. And I felt like that did take away from how awesome and impactful that ending could have been. What'd you give it for your rating? Oh, I gave it a seven out of 10. Like I said, it's not like a horrible movie. I don't think it's bad by like typical filmmaking standards. I just, I've seen a lot within that genre. So I was expecting a little bit more. What would you give it? I'm it's it's for me it's average so I gave it kind of like an 8 you know maybe like an 8.5 because I really do like some characters I I really liked Russell Crowe and Ryan Gosling and Angoria Rice I like those three characters I would probably see another I would probably see two more films I would see Nice Guys 2 and 3 if those three stayed together Oh, I, I completely agree. It's it's one of those things I'm not going to like go. Now that I know what they're making as a film, if they did make a sequel, I would go into it with a different mindset and probably enjoy it even more with a sequel. It's kind of what I did with Kingsman's Secret Service. I didn't know what to expect from it. So then once I saw it, I'm like, oh, okay, I get it now. Same thing with this. I think if I get a Nice Guys 2, I'm going to probably like it even more than this one. If you see the Nice Guys this weekend, what I want you to do is I want you to tell us what you thought of the film. Go to this blog post, you know, right below and be like, I like the nice guys or I hated the nice guys or I really liked Misty Mountains. Everybody likes Misty Mountains. Who doesn't not like Misty Mountains? So let us know what you thought of the film. Hey, Matt, we survived another episode. Oh, no! Once again, there are several ways to continue the conversation. After the show, follow us on Twitter at monkeys underscore robots. You can look at all our silly photos on Instagram at monkeys fighting robots. You can follow me on Twitter at Matthew Sardo. My co-host, EJ, is also on Twitter, at EJ Christ with a K. The biggest compliment we receive is when the subscriber number goes up on SoundCloud. If you have a chance, we would greatly appreciate a review of our show on iTunes. All you Android users out there, listen to the show on Stitcher. Additionally, there's this great app called TuneIn. Listen to every radio station in the world, plus the Monkeys Fighting Robots podcast. Okay, Lunchbox, let's try this again. There are so many people that made the 75th episode of Monkeys Fighting Robots a success. I cannot believe we're at 75. You know what I did notice? Is that the 100th episode will be the week of my birthday. Oh. Special shout out to my co-host EJ Marino for putting up with me. This is going to be a tough task. Jeff Shade is creator of our amazing intros and outros. Jessica Wynn designed the Monkeys Fighting Robots logo. Are you a monkey or are you a robot? You can find out at Megacon. The staff official realm built our website and keeps us up and running. To all my friends, family, and the interweb, thank you very much for joining us for this episode of Monkeys Fighting Robots. Hi, it's Jamie, progressive number one, number two employee. Leave a message at the... Hey, Jamie, it's me, Jamie. This is your daily pep talk. 
I know it's been rough going ever since people found out about your acapella group, Mad Harmony, but you will bounce back. I mean, you're the guy always helping people find coverage options with the Name Your Price tool. It should be you giving me the pep talk. Now get out there, hit that high note, and take Mad Harmony all the way to nationals this year! Sorry, it's pitchy. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.